Hello, friends. Welcome to the Online Pastor Podcast, a place for you to discover faith and explore what it means to follow Jesus, experience God, and navigate life as a person of faith. My name is Amanda, and I am your host and Bible mentor, and I am excited to be on this journey with you. I have been holding off recording this until the last possible minute, which is not usually how I roll, but I have been sick with a cold and you probably can still hear it. I could probably sing a great tenor line in a choir. Um, But yeah, I am excited and also like somewhat glad to postpone or put off this topic because I just have so many kind of angles I want to go at. And it's actually one of the, the things that I think the church or discipleship, perhaps we have lost um, communicating regularly, particularly in Sunday services or large events. And that is the topic of sin and confession. Now, before you like turn it off, or like maybe this is like, oh, roll your eyes. I don't want to hear about this. I want to tell you why I think this is such an important topic for discipleship. Um, and also, I think critically in this time for the church, because in Canada, we're coming back to meet together. And I have a bunch of thoughts that I don't need to go into right now as to what or a bunch of questions I think that need to be asked about the nature of what we are doing as community when we gather together in a large group, usually on a Sunday. But one of the things that I think that has been lost in the last, I don't know, couple of decades, and particularly as churches have gotten less liturgical. And when I say liturgical, what I mean for those of you who don't know that is there is usually a sort of um, script that happens Some people would say it is a form for public worship, a sort of, and I don't like to use the term formula, but because it has really been thought out, prayed about. So for those of you who grew up in liturgical traditions, or maybe you didn't, I'm going to kind of give you a general overview of what a service would look like with a liturgy. It would be, there's a call to worship that the uh, pastor or maybe the worship leader gives usually an invitation from scripture where God comes to his people. And this is meant to reflect the way that God approaches us because we could not approach him. Um, Then there is an invitation to respond. Sometimes that happens with a song, depending on your tradition. Sometimes it's a piece of scripture or prayer. And then there will usually be a confession of sin. And there is a space in the service where Don't imagine if you haven't been in a liturgical service that people are confessing their sins to one another. But usually it's a time of prayer where there is an active reflection through scripture of the ways in which a person or a community has fallen short of God's intention. And then there is an assurance of pardon where, you know, you read verses, um, you know, he, he is faithful and just to forgive us when we confess our sins. Verses like that from scripture that are read where God, God's assurance of pardon comes in a confession, uh, comes from a result of confession. 
And then, you know, you move into uh, perhaps a singing, you know, now that you're at one with God, now that you've removed things in your heart, then we can engage in some in some worship. And then it moves oftentimes into communion or a sermon. And, you know, there will be a, a call and response oftentimes. So I'm being very generic there. I could get into the nitty gritty of every tradition. Um, and if you're listening to this and have not ever heard that before, I'd encourage you like, Maybe consider visiting a church with liturgy because I actually think that it was something I grieved in the pandemic, not having the words of the saints that, you know, over the ages have been just tried and true and kind of a way in which we come into the Lord and where the pattern and the form is there. But I think there is something really unique about the gospel message when a group of people come together And there's a time where a group says, either individually or as a body, we are in need of saving. Now, if you didn't listen to last week's message, I'd encourage you to do so because I think that part of having the good news in the service is also a time where you realize your need for Jesus to save you from your sin. And I wonder that in the losing of that, in a lot of, I'm going to say, evangelical traditions, maybe where we've just kind of picked a bunch of songs, the closest we ever really come to confession is in a song like, I need you, oh, I need you, every hour I need you. Um, There is not often an intentional focus in a service even where there is a confession of sin or like a discussing of our need for God. And I think in a culture where we have... There is such a idolatry of self-sufficiency and independence and truthfully pride. I believe that it's more necessary than ever that we talk about sin. And as a community, our message to the world is we come together and a bunch of people who don't have their stuff together and are in need of saving can sit in the same room and not be frightened by someone else's brokenness because we all stand equal at the foot of the cross. And so I put this um, topic early on in a Resilient Discipleship series because I think it's really important for a number of reasons. I think, as I mentioned, it's part of who we are as a community when we follow Jesus. I think it is one of the rarest, if not the only messages, where there is an understanding of brokenness that is not the result of some other kind of bizarre theory of karma or a victim mentality or things like that. And then also just the triumphant victory of Jesus and saving us. And I think it's really important that this isn't only a community confession. I think active daily um, reflection and repentance out of confession and need for God is really critical to the life of a disciple because what it does is it in a good way forces you to see your reliance on God. So when we're talking about sin, what do I mean? Because I think that we have not really, this word is not popular, we haven't used it. And I'm going to just say the original meaning of the word sin actually is miss the mark. And what I think is so interesting is when people think about the word sin, I don't know that we always understand that it means missing the mark. I think oftentimes we talk about doing something bad. And that's part of it. And I'm going to give you, you know, part of this podcast is 
I talk about being a Bible mentor is, is to also grow your theological understanding. It's like how you see the world, how you understand God. And when we talk about sin, oftentimes we talk about in, in theological language is the sins of omission and the sins of commission. And most people know about the sins of commission. You know, if you like steal or if you kill someone or something, or if you lie, I think there's something about that that feels like, oh, that is sin. But the second part of sin is omission. It's what we have left undone. And so that is where we have to come back to an understanding of the word missing the mark or sin. And I'm going to come back to omission in a second because it's actually really, really relevant, I think. Um, so just bear with me as I give you an analogy. For those of you who know me, know that I play soccer. I grew up playing soccer. I still play soccer. And... You know, you come off the field sometimes and the thing is, if you have played striker or midfield, like there can be some conversation of like, you know, you want what the score is, but also if you didn't score, then you want to talk about your almost goals. But no one really cares ever in any sport that you almost scored because the reality is you didn't and that didn't change the game. And I think that that sounds like a bit maybe of a harsh way to analogize sin, but sin is the same way as the Lord had a mark for us. He had a standard for us when he created that we were able to live in, in full communion with him, transparency, relationship, you know, walking in the garden to, to come back to the story, you know, um, walking with each other. As Adam and Eve, you know, it says in Genesis, were naked and felt no shame. There's significance there. There's nothing hidden. There's nothing broken. They were able to be. And even their interaction with creation and, and even within themselves, there is a sense there that they everything is as God intended it to be. When sin enters the world, the shift that it has is it does four things that it breaks. It breaks, so you're going to see this this. If you go back to the scripture in Genesis, it breaks humankind's relationship with God. And we see this when God comes walking in the garden and says, Adam and Eve, where are you? Now, I think one of the interesting questions there is to say, like, did the God of the universe really not know where Adam and Eve were? I think when we, you know, kind of speed ahead to look at the life of Jesus, Jesus never asks a question, I think, because he doesn't know the answer. I think he asks a question because it's important for the person being questioned to understand the significance of it. For the first time since Adam and Eve's creation, God has to ask, where are you? Which means they are not with him. And I think that is a significant pivoting point for humanity to recognize that there is a broken relationship. Things are not as intended. We have now missed the mark in our ability to come and be with God without shame. That's why they're hiding. But then we also see when God questions them that there is a breakdown of relationship between Adam and Eve. Adam blames Eve. Okay, so then we see that there is a brokenness. Things are not, we have missed the mark in terms of being harmoniously in relationship. So Adam blames Eve. And so we see that second breakdown. And then the third breakdown happens between humanity and creation. And Eve blames the serpent, right? It was the snake. And then we see also, which I think is just so interesting, so we see humanity and humanity broken, then humanity and the snake, okay? So humanity and creation, we see that breakdown even these days, right? How we treat creation. 
But then also there is a breakdown, I think, of even Adam and Eve internally, right? A dissonance with how they see themselves. They see, they feel the need to hide. And then even in their conversations with God, they, they want to move the attention off themselves. And so we see that sin has absolutely devastating results. The, re, the result of missing the mark is that they're just not as intended as they were created to be by God. And why that is really significant is because at this point, have they killed anyone? Have they even lied? No, but you can see the dynamics have changed, right? And so I think it's really important for us to understand the breakdown of those four kind of categories, you know, God and human, human and human, human and creation, and and then inside that kind of breaking of where we want to move attention and, and we want to hide. And the way of the good news, right, is that when you know Jesus, the one that God the Father has sent and you're the Father, so that's eternal life, the good news starts now. The moment you are able to come into relationship with the Son and therefore know the Father, you are able to start to live out a restoration of that brokenness where you don't have to live in missing the mark. And so it's really, I think, important in the life of spiritual transformation that you become aware and reflective of, because we're still living in a broken world, we have not yet been resurrected. We are still living in in the shadow of death because we're not, we haven't died. Death is where that, that eternal life in its fullness comes. And I think that the that the practice of confession, I'm going to say daily confession, is good for, I mean, I probably could give you a list, but I don't really want to go on too long here um, of why this is good for you. But I'm just going to read to you some scriptures that just, um, I just would love you to reflect Um on. There's a psalm in Psalm 32. I think coming back to that brokenness that sin has as a result of, you know, kind of that internal kind of breakdown, this, if you want to call it a disassociation, but where we miss the mark of, of who we're called to be. And that actually impacts us. I think, I think it has a physical impact on people. I would say even in my, my pastoral ministry or counseling, the amount of times I've heard the phrase, I've never told this to anyone before. And that doesn't, proceed like I'm planning a surprise birthday party that is usually leading into something that isn't that someone is just like filled with shame about and David talks in Psalm 32 about when he keeps silence this is in the framework of sin that his bones wasted away through his groaning all day long day and night he writes your hand was heavy upon me my strength was sapped I think there is a physical impact when we hold up sin but there is a release that happens when it is confessed. And I think there is, you know, some really good work and probably a whole other podcast on understanding the release of confession and, and even like Satan, how he likes things to hide and things grow in the dark. But when we bring it out into the light, Christ can shine at it and bring wholeness. But I think that confessing and understanding our own propensity for brokenness, I think the internal work I think actively reflecting on our relationships with people, right? We're still living in a broken world. We're still 
at the same time, we are being transformed day by day. And so we, we believe that we are starting to look like Christ. So behavior patterns should be changing. But one who is not reflective on things and confessing like, Lord, I need help in this or this person, I constantly tend to be angry with them. There's not that awareness and there's not going to be that reliance on Christ and also the desire, I think, to change. I think sin has to be part of our walk with Jesus. And this is, now this is going to be hard for some of you, but even sin, the confession of sin in community, I was in a I was in a meeting recently and someone said, you know, what are really uh, critical practices for leaders? And I was reflecting and I it kind of came out of my mouth, but I realized like I genuinely believe confession is critical to healthy leadership, but I would also say healthy discipleship. Like I think that um, and, and when I say that, I think most of us kind of cringe because we think oh, sin, you know, there's going to be, you know, and sure, we're some of us are dealing with really tough things. But I do believe that the more closely we are walking with Jesus, the less it is even about like, oh, a corrective measure, as much as it becomes about a preventative one. Now, what do I mean by that? I think there comes a time where we can walk with Jesus, where we become our instincts and our character become enough Christ-like that even in a conversation, and I've had this before where the Lord kind of brought something to mind at the end of the day. And he said, you know, that thing that you said was true in that group or whatever, but there was a bit of too much of your pride in there. Like, just be careful. And I didn't in any way feel condemned. I didn't in any way feel like I should even have said something different, but the Lord was just exposing to me some of the workings of my own heart and that I still needed Christ at the end of the day. And he did, and externally that wouldn't have even looked different. And so I think it's really, I just want to encourage you, you know, and I, I'm kind of debating if I should stop here because we're at, you know, 17 minutes, but I just want to encourage you to start thinking about how actively and often you practice repentance. And if you don't, and confession. And if you don't, I'm gonna say a minimum start with daily at the end of the day, you can just Google something called the prayer of examine, E-X-A-M-E-N. Um, and just, you know, ask the Lord, was there something that happened today where you're asking me or pointing out that I may need a change of character? I need your spirit to come and fill me afresh. Because I think one of the greatest when I engage with people about following Jesus. One of the greatest, I think, barriers or obstacles is someone saying to me, like, I'm a good person. I, you know, like, whatever, give to save the whales. I, um, I haven't killed anyone, you know, like I pay my taxes. And that's, that's looking at sin as the sins of commission, things that we do. But the sin of omission, when we understand sin is that we're missing the mark, that the Lord really actually wants to get at the under the underlaying of our hearts. What is our posture in this? Because it isn't enough that we just don't steal. I think in Jesus, when we bring the kingdom, it's that we give generously and cheerfully. And it isn't enough that we don't murder. It's actually in Christ, we bring life wherever we go. And so you see how with the gospel, 
The full gospel is that we are walking in eternal life now. And so with that, walking in the power of the spirit, confessing our old patterns, allowing Christ to come in and change them, that we actually start to bring the way of the kingdom and the character of Christ and the aroma of Christ to the world. So just to end, I think I would challenge you to start thinking and making a plan to reflect on sin personally and confession personally. And then maybe as you get more comfortable with it, start to lean into some of your deeper friendships and say, I think, I think that I, I want to lean in here because there's also something really beautiful that is promised in scripture. Um, I'm just going to read it to you where James five says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. There is something that happens when the community of Christ hears a confession There is a healing, there is a repairing, there is a restoration of that kind of breakdown. Um, So I want to encourage you and and challenge you. I mean, I told you when we talked about resilient discipleship that we need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. But I think our silence around our sin and confession is robbing us of the fullness of Christ, experiencing the love of Christ as as we offer um, our love to people who confess their sin to us, but also because as we just confess and allow the Lord's holiness and, and what it means to be set apart, I believe the body of Christ, that purity, that sanctity, that love that flows from a restored relationship with God, with each other, with creation and, and with ourselves is inevitably going to be drawing people to find out what we're about. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Online Pastor Podcast. Please take something away and talk to God about it. But also, don't take my word for it. Grab your Bibles and spend some time with Jesus. Stay current on the next episode by hitting subscribe. And also stay connected by finding us under the handle, The Online Pastor. I look forward to being with you again.